Good evening to each and everyone who is listening in. It's so good to have you all joining the space, the Mongo Spaces today. And our focus this evening is renewable energy in East Africa, but using lessons from the Middle East to drive the uptake of renewable energy across East Africa. My name is Joy. If you follow me on Twitter, I'm sure by now you have an idea that I'm passionate about renewable energy solutions for Africa. And I do a lot of work as well in line of communication around renewable energy solutions in Africa. So it's great to be having this conversation tonight, a conversation that I do resonate with quite a bit. And I believe that this is going to be yet another interesting conversation on renewable energy, because I believe that renewable energy is the future. And the future is already here with us. And I want to introduce guests for tonight, just before I can tell us a little bit about Mongo Capital. So let me start with Maisam Ratansi, who is the marketing lead Middle East Energy. Maisam Ratansi is a seasoned entrepreneur and business leader with over 15 years of marketing experience. He is a senior marketing manager at Informa and currently working at Informa PLC in Dubai. Prior to joining Informa Markets, he worked as a marketing manager in the sports and yachting group. Isam is now the marketing lead on Middle East Energy and has worked closely with industry leaders and key stakeholders to curate an exhibition that is now one of the largest energy exhibitions in Middle East and Africa. And among other things, he's also earned himself a Bachelor of Business Administration with Human Resource Specialization from Southern New Hampshire University and has been recognized for his contributions to the marketing industry with numerous awards and accolades, including the Senior Marketing Manager of the Year Award at the 2023 AEO People Awards. It's good to have you on the space tonight. Thank you, Joy. It's a pleasure being here, and I look forward to this conversation that we're about to have. And thank you for the very uh, illustrious introduction. Right. Thanks for coming on and making it on time. Ade Yesufu, who is the executive manager, Middle East Nigeria. Should I say Renewable Energy Nigeria? Let me just say Nigeria Energy. (laughs) You can just say exhibition manager for the energy portfolio uh, informer. Exhibition manager for the energy portfolio. Great. Ade Yesufu has over 15 years of experience in the power sector across the Middle East and Africa. And he's also held leadership positions within business development teams for various expos and conferences, many of which have been awarded for their success. And he is also part of the energy and utilities portfolio at Informa Markets Middle East, which is, like I said, the largest event organizer in the world. And they're best known for putting together these energy conferences, such as Middle East Energy, Egypt Energy, and Nigeria Energy as well. And he's also managed the first Middle East Energy event after the pandemic and facilitated about 705 million US dollars in business deals during the three-day showcase. All right, I guess you're the guy we need to all be talking to if this is the kind of deals that you've been able to lead. But really, it's great to have you all on the space tonight. Always a pleasure being here. Thank you. Great to have you. For those of us who are just joining the Mongo Spaces for the very first time, 
I guess I should just say a few things about the Mongo spaces. These Mongo spaces do happen every so often, I believe once every week. And the Mongo spaces have an incredible track record of high quality spaces. We've interviewed a number of CEOs here, including the I&M Bank CEO, Bank of Chigali Group CEO, as well as many others. And the audience of Mongo Capital and Mongo Spaces spans over 57,000 followers on Twitter and over 1,600 subscribers on Telegram and 1,000 subscribers on the weekly newsletter. So you can be sure to follow the Mongo Spaces and get to know more about what's happening in the business world. And so here we are today to discuss renewable energy across East Africa. I'm going to start with you, Ade, in terms of where Africa is at and particularly East Africa. I don't know how you would really assess our uptake of renewable energy solutions. I think Kenya is doing a great job. If I have to look at Africa as a whole, I think you'd agree with me when we say that affordable and reliable energy for all Africans remain an absolute priority in the next couple of years. If you look at the numbers, Africa is about a billion or two people out of the 8 billion people in the world and 600 million people in sub-Saharan Africa, or you can say 43% of the total population of Africans lack access to reliable, sustainable, affordable uh, electricity. Uh, if you look at the countries that are doing well in Africa, it's basically countries like Ghana, Kenya, Rwanda, who are actually on track to operate at their optimal by 2030. Those countries offer fantastic success stories that can be learned by other African countries in Africa, basically. Great. And you mentioned countries like Ghana, Kenya, and Rwanda. Is there something specific yeah. that you have observed from where you sit that these countries are doing that other African countries are not doing? I think it's basically them just working very tirelessly to imbibe best practices and using investments that are meant for projects, for those projects which they are supposed to carry out. And a lot of investments in rural electrification as well has helped most of the countries to be operating at such of if you look at Kenya, for example, Kenya, Kenya's uptake on renewable using a geothermal has, has really helped to propel Kenya from just reliance on just solar or other means of electricity. When you look at Rwanda or, or Ghana, is maybe because there's 20 million people, they've been able to basically just invest in the sector. I think investment is the key word. And using those investments for the project that they're meant for plays a critical role. Building infrastructure is one of the biggest, it's one of the key topics that come out in every conversation that you have with a lot of countries. You have networks of power equipment that are hold as when the countries were formed, still operating in some of these countries. And maintenance culture in Africa, it's nothing to write on about. And these are some of the challenges. If you look at South Africa, for example, South Africa, there was about 50 million people. And in South Africa, you had over 50,000 megawatts generated electricity back in the days. But now you see South Africa is going through a lot of load shedding because of lack of maintenance. Some people say there is a sabotage to a lot of power plants and stuff like that. But that's another story for another day because that shouldn't be an excuse for us not to be meeting the needs of our people, especially now that everybody's focusing on providing access. So it's populist. Of course, if you talk about the benefits of renewable energy or investing in renewable energy, it's quite really huge. And maybe sometimes we really underestimate 
how much we can be able to solve, how much poverty we can be able to alleviate when we invest in renewable energy. It can probably eliminate half of Africa's infrastructure challenges and let alone talking about the other sectors like education that would be boosted as a result of investing in renewable energy because renewable energy solutions for Africa are quite low and the uptake is low. And just like you said, things have been politicized. But if you look at the International Energy Agency report of 2022, it actually estimates that achieving universal global access to electricity by the year 2030 would require annual investments of about 30 billion US dollars from now to the year 2030, of which around two thirds are needed in sub-Saharan Africa. So we are talking about sub-Saharan Africa, of course, East Africa plays a huge role. East and West Africa play a huge role. Mason, I want to come to you just to highlight the benefits of renewable energy from where you sit, how has Middle East been able to make these huge capex investments or capital, huge capital expenditure on renewable energy and succeed at it? And what are some of those lessons that we can learn from the Middle East? So the Middle East, I think, poses a different challenge to Africa. And although there's some similarities, there's also some huge differences that we're seeing now that, you know, we hope to alleviate in the next couple of years. The biggest advantage that obviously the Middle East as the region has is the size of the population. So population density is not an issue. It also has access to oil reserves and money. A lot of the renewable, the new transitions that are created, the energy transition that are created are done by large scale energy companies that have headquarters somewhere in the region and they see the benefit of it. We're all moving toward renewable energy and within each of our main key layers of energy, you will see within those, the, the renewable measures being taken. And I agree with the point that you made earlier that a lot of the problems will be alleviated if we were to have cleaner energy available to Africa's population. The lessons learned from the UAE is obviously investments into the future. Population is something we can't control, so that's just a problem or a thing that we need to look into for, as a solution. And hopefully small steps, and as Adi mentioned, investment, heavy investment into long-term renewable solutions. And I don't think Africa is actually doing quite well. So North Africa, or North Africa, obviously, as you mentioned, Sub-Saharan Africa has lessons to learn, and I'm sure that it's taking the steps that need to be taken. Because governments understand you can alleviate a lot of the energy crisis that we're having by good measures taken on the renewable. And we're going to come to the conversation on the Middle East Conference. But just before we get there, I just probably wanted to highlight some of the issues that are critical and why everybody who is listening to this conversation probably needs to pay attention to sub-Saharan Africa and East Africa's uptake of renewable energy solutions. There has been talk, of course, about how Africa has 60% of the world's best solar resources, but only 1% of the yeah. solar generated or solar generation capacity. This means that we've barely scratched the surface of the potential that solar energy can actually give us. And it will require about maybe 190 billion US dollars of investment each year between this year and 2026, actually. So how best do you suggest that we harness the potential? Because, of course, there's going to be issues around regulatory frameworks, issues around readiness and openness when it comes to our PA and so many other issues. But how do you suggest we go about it from an advisory point of view? 
Is that question for Mason or for me? For Mason first and then come to you as well. Okay. So I think the best way to do it is to gradually reduce or close the gap and ensure that the diversity of our sources. Like you mentioned, renewable projects are growing in size and reach and storage solutions are starting to address the, some of the issues. But solar is untapped potential and it, it sub-Saharan Africa has 1.3 billion people, as mentioned earlier, which is the fifth of the world's population. And it just accounts currently for 3% of electricity use. There's got to be a large-scale investment and grassroots investments as well to ensure that different power sources are used and that there isn't an over-reliance on any particular power source. That would be my take on this. Ed, what do you have to say? First of all, I'd like to say that East Africa, and especially Africa, we are endowed with sources capable of generating vast amount of renewable energy, whether it's wind or hydro or solar. And I think the most important thing is each country has their own sources that are very particular to them. For example, Kenya is very rich when it comes to geothermal. I think Kenya is doing most of its renewable generation is coming from geothermal. And when you look at the rest of the region, when you look at Tanzania and Uganda, though, it's largely untapped and majority of the population out there still remain unconnected. Most of the sources in Uganda is hydro or gas or same as Tanzania, which uses gas. It's a different debate another day whether you want to classify gas as clean energy. We have untapped resources that we've not, like you mentioned, scrapped the surface off. And I think in order for us to begin, I don't believe that there's any particular technology that is the best or is considered. I think a mix of these technologies are all very great for Africa if we can just understand what our regions are, works with us in terms of core resources. So to everyone who is listening, what you can do as we continue with this conversation is to spread the word. You can share this link with your networks and ask them to join the conversation. And also, we will be coming to a part where we ask for your contributions as well. So if you have any questions, please feel free to use the hashtag Mwango Spaces. And you can ask either of the panelists about renewable energy solutions in East Africa, as well as the greater Sub-Saharan Africa and the Middle East, if you feel like you have a question to ask about the Middle East as well. And so let's talk about the Middle East Conference or Middle East Energy Conference that's coming up. Um, March is coming up and it's only a few days away. And probably we can start from the beginning, the Middle East Energy Conference that is focusing on five major product sectors that are leading the way in the energy transition. And when I looked at the website, I realized that actually the theme for this year is guiding the region through the energy transition. And this is going to be taking Mm -hmm. between the 7th and the 9th of March this year, which is basically next week. And for those of you who are interested and haven't registered, maybe this is a time for you to check out the website so you can go to middleeast-energy.com. So to Ade and Mesam, I come back to you now. If you are to give an overview about the different product sectors that the conference is focusing on, what would you say about smart solutions? What would you say about renewable and clean energy as well as backup generators and critical power? Ade, can I start with you on this? Yeah, yes, you may. Uh, first of all, I want to say that uh, we say five sectors, but it's actually six sectors, but Let's stick to the five of the main time. I'll tell you the sixth one up later. So smart solution, basically with smart, we want to just basically look at highlights of new technologies to the audience that is looking for ways uh, to 
digitally transform their operations and their business modules. If you look at the majority of the power sector in Africa, the, one of the biggest challenges that they have is that they are not very commercial. There's a lot of theft. There's a lot of collections. Payments is a big issue. And with smart solutions, there's a lot of technologies that go to utilities to monitor usages of electricity, wares, and different kind of models that can help our, our company, utility company. If in Kenya, you are, we can make an example like Kenya Power or KenGen or Ketrak, help them to make money, basically. And when you look at renewable energy and clean energy at the Middle East, they, we cover basically just sectors that include solar, wind, hydro, and we have energy solutions from all, all across the world. We have different international pavilions. Uh, and this sector also includes transformative or sub-sectors like energy storage, batteries, and green hydrogen. Just so you know, the, one of the biggest renewable energy events in the world is known as InterSolar Europe. It's organized in Germany and Europe. And we have a partnership with InterSolar to organize InterSolar Middle East, which takes place alongside Middle East Energy. There's a conference that will be happening that is called InterSolar Conference. And then you have a lot of exhibitors that have various technology regarding solar, hydro, what have you. And then we have critical power and backup generators. We can't talk about renewables and everything, but the reality of our current realities right now is that backup generators are not going anywhere anytime soon. And if you look at Nigeria, for example, 90 million people out of the 200 million people have generators, the primary source of electricity. And the connected grid is just basically the secondary. And under Middle East Energy, we will help you to source for progressive energy solutions and explore new technologies from niche providers from across the world that can help you uh, source, sustain electrical power to achieve your operations. A lot of companies, even if you look at South Africa right now, with the load shedding, a lot of companies, a lot of hoteliers, a lot of small, medium-sized companies have lost their businesses because they can't just keep ends. And a lot of companies are investing in backup generators, etc. The TND, this actually, which stands for Transmission and Distribution, is actually our longest and the most successful sectors that we've run. If you look at our exhibition floor, you would see that close to 40%, may some can correct me if I'm wrong, are 40, 40 to 50% of the exhibitors are TND companies. And these are all the leading companies. There's a constant need for transmission and distribution of those. When you generate elect electricity, the next thing is for you to distribute. And there's a lot of equipment that goes with distribution, whether it's your transformers or maybe it's your distribution transformer or your transmission transformers, your cables, your transmission poles, your switch gears, your Everything that has to do with you transport your life, everything. We have innovation and we have the sector, a host of industry bellwethers and international community companies from various countries showcasing the entire value chain of products at the event. And then you have energy consumption and management. It is important for you, especially these days, I'm sure you, when you receive your bills at the end of the month, nobody will tell you how important energy consumption and management is. For visitors, you need to establish systems that support the increase of energy consumption and help to manage that by focusing on whether it's automation or data efficiency, whether it's your transformative lightning systems, or whether it's your smarter ecosystem. All these things put together are help digitalize our energy system flow. And the last one that I that we, nobody talks about is generation. And when I say generation, I'm talking about the traditional generation technique, which is called thermal generation, basically. Whether you're generating by steam turbine, whether by steam, or whether you're generating by, by steam turbine or by gas turbines or by coal, a lot, of a lot of countries are still using this as their means of generation technology. And whether we like it or not in Africa, if you look at the whole of West Africa, some part of East Africa, 
a lot of countries still use gas-fired technology to generate. Nigeria, for example, has 89% of gas-fired power plants. And again, I said, we can have the whether gas is clean energy or not. It's a different day conversation. And a very contentious one as well. Absolutely. Um, because a lot of people tend to think that it's somewhere on the borderline between clean and not very clean. But yeah, I like how you put it in terms of smart solutions and the renewable and clean energy as well. Then looking at backup generators and critical power and using the example of Nigeria, I, I don't know if Nigeria would actually be where it is today without generators. And then also, I've been talking about transmission and distribution, energy consumption and management. And the sixth factor, of course, which is the generation technology. Mason, I want to come to you because all of these conversations are what are going to be happening at the Middle East Energy Conference. And I believe that the conference is now on its 48th edition. Should we say there's been two conferences every year? I can tell you, Mason is not 48 years old, though. <laughs> <laughs> but if two conferences were held every year, that would be able to have the 48th edition age. And then that would mean that he's probably between 24 and 30. I don't know. There has been, I mean, a whole evolution of this conference. I don't want to know what it was like on the very first edition, but it must have really taken quite a lot of convincing for people to attend an energy conference back then when the first edition was held. What has that evolution of the conference been like since its first edition? So I think we made a case that I wasn't there for the first edition, but for what I understand, it was a pretty much local event. It took place in Dubai and around the time the population of Dubai was, I think, 200,000. It was a very small place in, in the Middle East and somebody had the foresight to create the exhibition. Since then, obviously, we've evolved a lot. The exhibition now brings in nearly 20,000 visitors. It brings in 5,000 delegates. And it brings in around 10,000 exhibitor staff. So around 1,000 exhibitors as well. All in all, it brings around thirty to 35,000 people. It's got a very good coverage, not only in the region as well, because we get representation from all over the world. But what we're seeing in the last couple of years, and especially because we're looking at Africa as a region, of, we are seeing a lot more people coming from Africa, especially from Kenya and Nigeria and Egypt, especially as well. So in Africa, we have good representation from most of West Africa, East Africa, but it's exceptionally high for North Africa, which already has a very strong relationship with the GCC. This year's highlight, I would say, is the conference, along with what Ade mentioned earlier, which is the intersolar event that takes place in Germany, but has their Middle East leg that takes place alongside us. There is excellent government support. There's support from Bellwethers as well. We have a ridiculously high rebooking rate. So people who are exhibited in the past continue to exhibit over five, seven, ten years because they find this show exactly what they wanted to do, which is it's a trade show. We've had two years where we had a bit of trouble, obviously, with COVID. So the 2020. The 2021 edition, uh, one was an online version and one was slightly less attended, but we are back and we're very happy to announce that this year we have a strategic conference, which is a high level forum focused on uh, unpacking the complex opportunities and the challenges in the energy and utility sector in the Middle East and Africa. We have some high level speakers at this conference and the conference is set on the show floor. So there's plenty of time to network with some of the exhibitors to meet some of the your peers in the industry and also to take home some key learning points from um, decision makers and industry leaders as well. What we are going to be looking at and uh, some of the high level themes are the future energy outlook in the Middle East and Africa, energy market trends, funding the energy transition, 
decarbonizing energy and utilities, achieving universal electricity access, future grids, building energy efficiency on the demand side, customers as partners, customer-centric approach to transforming the power sector, digital transformation, and rural electrification. There's other topics as well. And this year, we have technical questions for engineers and for people who are more into the tactical of energy and we have the CEO forum for the more strategic level people as well. So literally a, a meeting point for anybody who has anything to do with energy. You know, you've talked about building energy efficiency on the demand side, looking at customers as partners and then also customer-centric approaches to transforming the power sector. And you also talked about the digital transformation for grids and rural electrification. All of this are pretty much conversations that have been ongoing across Africa in terms of investment in renewable energy and basically energy solutions. Who are some of the uh, high profile exhibitors that have already confirmed attendance for this year's conference? Mason. And then I did talk about the exhibitors because okay. Forte. Okay. He, he's the commercial that take money from his budget. That's what I do. <laughs> Ade, go ahead. Thank you. I think one of some of the most important aspects of this event is the exhibition and the conference. Like Mason just rightfully highlighted are uh, some of the key themes of the conference. We have a few exhibitors or sponsors that I like to highlight and some of them would be a company called Alphana. Alphana is basically one of the leading manufacturers of wide range, low, medium, high voltage electrical products, APC solution, conventional and renewable power plants, allied engineering services, etc. And then you have the likes of Baldwin. Baldwin is basically a genset company. It's one of is a manufacturer of our very, very high profile generators and they're very big. They've been in the business for over a hundred years. And have designed and manufactured high quality diesel gas engines for marine and power generation applications spanning over whether it's up to 4,000 kVA, etc. And then we've got cables, also a Saudi Arabian company, one of the leading cable manufacturers in the world. And they've got operations or some of the African countries are, they've been in the business for decades of serving Saudi Arabia and just as the countries as well as the overseas countries as well. They have extensive cable knowledge to provide specifications for many world-leading engineering and construction allies. And then you have Kabi is basically a cable company as well. And I did mention to you about our transmission and distribution being one of the key leading sectors, MEE. And you would see that with Dukab, Dukab is very popular. I think it stands for Dubai Cables, if I'm not wrong. <laughs> and there was areas when it comes to cable manufacturing from the, you know, part of the Projects was the Burj Khalifa to, if you Dubai very well, HSBC Tower in Hong Kong and a few metros in the UK, etc. And then we also have Barra Cables, Barra Electric, also are from Saudi Arabia. And then we have a LTC group, we got Perkins. Perkins are the engine manufacturers. They probably sell to a lot of gensets company. If you see uh, most of the engines that go into Gensets, these are, most of them are either Perkins engines, Perkins engines or they are distributor engines. So most of these are companies. We've got several sponsors that are Rilo UPS. Rilo UPS, is, I think, is one of the leading backup. I think it's more of storage, energy storage company, batteries. Most of the people, I don't know if you guys use storage systems in Kenya, but there's a lot of them in Nigeria. Just basically, when power goes out, people have a storage system that just kicks in if they cannot afford gensets. And then we have Stanford. Stanford also is a silver sponsor. 
a very big gensets company, very big in their sector, and they do a lot of work in entire Middle East and Africa. And of course, we have a transmission and distribution sector part, uh, partner, which is in the, the company of Lucy Electric. I think Lucy Electric is a UK company, but if they've got extensive reach based out of uh, Europe and Africa, there are African offices based in Kenya, and we work with them across all our portfolio. They're very key partners to us. In terms of the benefits for those who are able to attend these conferences, what other benefits do they gain by attending and also registering to participate in the conference? I think one of the key benefits is you have the whole industry. You have the whole energy industry from all around the world in one room, at one place, at a time. So if you had energy needs, or whatever your objectives are, whether it's to reduce your cost of your electricity or you're looking for technology or you're looking for any kind of solutions, everybody comes to Middle East Energy to source for solutions that can be tailored to their needs. I would say from my experience doing exhibitions across the world and having the privilege to visit a lot of exhibitions globally, I think Middle East Energy is the largest exhibition when it comes to energy power the entire Middle East and Africa. And if, even if you want to put Europe in the mix, I think you would 40,000 to 30,000 people in one room at a time. That's a lot of people. And they all have one goal of mind to find ways in which they can electrify or just energy is very key for industrialization. Africa needs to industrialize. And the only way they can do it is to be able to operate at their optimal and also ensure that they, they increase the electrification rate. And the best way to do it is to find, come to Middle East Energy and find the right kind of solution for your need. The same way it is hard for governments to find investors, that is exactly how hard it is for investors to find projects. So we just put everybody together in the room and we create a platform for people to meet and network. Imagine if you had to travel to find a solution in India by yourself. It's going to cost you a lot of money to go to India. It's going to cost you a lot of money to meet with maybe three, four companies in India. But we are bringing all the suppliers and manufacturers and technology providers to you. It's going to reduce the cost of you having to do it yourself. It's going to help you to be able to create partnerships. There's a lot of these manufacturers that they can trust, that they can work with in Africa. So Middle East Energy is one of those places where you can source for manufacturers and suppliers that you can represent locally in your regions. And a lot of companies have been opened in Africa because somebody started selling European products or Indian products or Chinese products somewhere in Africa. And because of the need for these products, the mother company has come to Africa to set up companies. Yeah, to answer your question, the benefits is enormous in terms of what you can get coming to the Middle East Energy. Everybody comes to the show. Besides, it's the easiest place to, to travel. Dubai also offers that, I say, uh, regional hub, travel hub, for you to just easily, there's direct flights to Dubai from anywhere in the world. All you got to do is just connect. And if you look at the list of exhibitors, we have over 8,000 exhibitors. That's massive. And it's over almost 20,000 square, square meters that they occupy. So that's huge in itself. Yeah, that's really huge. At least looking at the numbers of the exhibitors that you just mentioned, for sure. Mason, I want to come back to you as well in regard to this year's theme. It is strategically positioned to target a lot of thematic topics. And I know that you did mention around future grids. 
And you also talked about decarbonizing energy and utilities. But there's an interesting conversation here about the future energy outlook in the Middle East and Africa. Maybe we can hang around there for a few minutes. In terms of just unpacking these complex opportunities and challenges in the energy and utilities sector in the Middle East and Africa, you could probably just give us a, just a brief view about what these topics particularly are going to be about, especially I'm more interested in the future energy outlook, what the market trends are currently and all of that. Okay. As of 2021, I think that's the stat, around 9% of the region's electricity generating capacity come from renewable sources. Okay. And this, I'm talking about the Middle East right now, and I'll get to Africa as well. The areas that are Furthest ahead include Morocco, Jordan, both over 30%. Gulf countries such as Bahrain, Kuwait, Qatar, Saudi have less than 1% of capacity from renewables. The UAE, on the other hand, is above 10%. And that's a lot because the leadership is driving this uh, to nuclear power and major solar power plants in Dubai and Abu Dhabi. So there's a very famous one in Abu Dhabi, Qatar. In case of Iran as well, which has obviously seen a lot of turmoil internally as well, a significant share in of renewables is in large part because of its extensive network of hydro power plant. So I think what will happen and uh, reading into the future, we can see that it's going to be a need basis that renewables is going to hopefully be the cheapest, most affordable and the cleanest way to get energy. And I think that the demand of that will drive the economy forward. That will drive economies forward. I guess we should now start thinking about whether or not our governments have been able to tap into these opportunities, especially in our African nations, because it looks like on one hand, and I think also this did come up during COP27 about what exactly is right for African countries, which investments best suit African countries. And I think from the investor point of view, outward looking inward, it's very important to understand that the African market is very fragmented. The needs of Kenya might be different from the needs of Nigeria, for right. instance, yeah. and the needs of South Africa. South Africa has been so big on, on coal and Kenya as well has, been, has made huge investments in geothermal and other renewable energy sources. So you look at different African markets and the demands and needs that they have, they really vary. But as we go into this conference, I believe that there's so much that African countries, especially East Africa, can tap into the opportunities that present that are present at the conference. And I believe that this is something that whoever is listening and are probably part of and are interested in taking part in the Middle East Energy Conference can head over to the website and find more information there. But let's talk about the other sessions as well. I know that while I was going through the website, I noticed that there is an intersolar conference and a CEO uh, forum. And I'm curious, just tell me about those ones. Ade. So basically the intersolar conference is, as I mentioned earlier, is based on the developments that are happening in the renewable energy sector. It was no brainer for us to start focusing a lot on renewables, Middle East energy, has never been that event three, five years ago that was strong on renewable energy. And from 2019, that once the focus of the leadership in the UAE and the Middle East started shifting and Africa started shifting towards renewable energy with carbon footprint being set by the United Nations and, and what have you, we started also driving the narrative to start changing to renewable energy. And since then, we've partnered with our partners, who is Intersolar from Germany to host the Intersolar Conference based on their expertise. They run the Intersolar Show. It's the leading renewable energy event in Europe. 
And based on their expertise and based on the reputation that they have, Informat signed a par- partnership with them to run InterSolar Conference. And that has been happening since 2021, but now it's growing strong. In 2022, we had InterSolar Conference, was very well attended. We had everybody from all over Middle East and Africa present. All the key players in renewables was there. And now, again, 2023, it looks to be one of the strongest sessions that we have in the solar conference. And you did talk about the roundtable. The CEO roundtable is a very unique platform. It's not a conference. It's basically a closed-down meeting. So what we're doing is we are looking at the gathering of CEOs, which is from the Middle East and Africa. It's supposed to be like an exclusive peer-to-peer platform where over 30 CEOs from across the power value chain from the MIA region will be in the room. It's a roundtable which is carefully curated to focus on high-level pressing issues and evolving opportunities to exchange an open conversation. There's a lot of learnings that Africans can learn from Middle East already. Because if you look at the Middle East, if you speak to a lot of I, they'll tell you one thing. The Middle East is saturated. We're looking for growth in opportunities. And where is that going to come from? Africa. So we have invited a couple of CEOs from Africa, from utilities across Africa, to sit in the room with the counterparts from the Middle East, basically to just sit down and brainstorm ideas. And the only people that would have access to these roundtables, to these CEO roundtables, are, we call them expert partners. And basically, they would be companies that are sponsoring and bringing knowledge. Just all they got to do is just sit in the room, and it's going to be their CEOs as well, sitting in the room, understanding from these CEOs the, the challenges that keep them awake at night. And they can provide their experts' knowledge and experience on how they've been able to solve the same problem for similar clients. So this is the idea of the CEO forum. And this roundtable is to be held on the Chatham House rule, which means basically anything that has been discussed in the room, it can be published, but you can't say who said what. So that way the CEOs feel more comfortable to engage. Mason, go ahead. I just want to add a quick thing before. I just summed up everything really well. I just think there's an extra element here of attending, and that is we do have CPD points. And the 16 credits per conference and obviously a delegate certificate as well to go with it. So with the exception of the CEO, some which is an invite only one, the rest of them have some really good benefits of attending, obviously, and something to take home as well. That's all I wanted to add. Thank you. Awesome. I can't let us close this discussion or conversation and highlighting the Middle East Energy Conference without us talking about whether or not there's still room for registration. Do we still have room for registration, Ade? I think Mason would be the first person to answer that one. Yeah, if we're earning a bit short of speech, but I think if we can fag in a few registrations in tonight, we will be closing registration at some point and then just focusing on Dubai because obviously just a closer. But yeah, I register as soon as possible. And that would be my only advice. What are the basic requirements for registration? Right. You just have to go to the website. It's middle eat dash energy.com and there's two ways of registry on, on the page you can either register via the form online or you can register via WhatsApp. you just have to click the icon on the website and then just say hi and then you can fill in the registration form yourself in terms of visa as well we help with that whole process on the website there is a section where it says i think it's under travel uh, and if you want to put in your under travel and it, there's the visa requirement section. So if you do require visa, visa as no, we're working very closely with the venue to ensure that visas are provided in time for the event. But again, you'd need to register pretty soon in order for us to do that. 
We also had discounts on hotels and travel and taxis while you're there. But my advice is probably to come to the venue by Metro because it's going to be very crowded. There's, Dubai World Trade Center can get extremely busy, especially because it's the center of town. So our advice is come in early, make sure you use the days and network. I believe you've sent invitations as well to some of our we East have. African leaders. <laughs> Absolutely. We have, we have Absolutely. Yeah. and we have great delegations coming already from content from Nigeria, from Kenya. I think a good delegation from Ghana. We actually have a specific VIP program where we're inviting CEOs and C-level, some of the major utility companies in Africa, some of the main contractors, leaders and distributors to come and attend and experience Middle East Energy for themselves. We had a key focus group last year for Africans and they absolutely Loved it. I did actually moderate that session and we ran over, I think, by almost a half an hour because we know how passionate a topic this is. It's crucial. It's crucial for the growth of the country, for the continent as well. And hopefully we get to see a few of you and take you around the venue. I'm sure Adi and I will be more than happy to help and assist there in any way. I'm seeing a number of engineers on here as well. And I guess the question oh, is, are individual participants also allowed to attend the conference? Yeah, absolutely. So with the visitor attendance, you get access to everything. You get the A pass, so the all access pass. You get access to all the conference sessions. You can pick and choose the ones that you want to go. We also make sure that there's plenty of time for networking as well. There are evening dares as well that are organized by some of our key stakeholders. And uh, hopefully, if you see a few of you around, we'll get you invited for those as well. Anybody who calls on this call, we look forward to seeing you. Great. Thank you. Let's close with this. Of course, Middle East Energy is largely focused on sustainability and keen on its ESG impact in the region. There's so much that you can talk about when you talk about impact. But of course, there must be some key focus areas in regard to sustainability and the outcome as well that are meant to be achieved. So sustainability kind of is an area of great interest and I'm going to be speaking widely from an informal perspective. As you mentioned, we are the largest exhibition provider in the world. And in fact, there is an onus on institutions such as ourselves to ensure that we have a system in place where sustainability is key. This is a drive that we started early, way before COVID. I think it was 2017, 2018 initiative of Better Stand, uh, where we have stands that are built with material that can easily be disposed and not fill landmines. In Forma, we are achieve sustainable commercial success through market focus and superior results for our customers. These are our three main aims. is the economical, environmental, and social as well. And we are trying to help our market to inspiring sustainable development. So we focus on using our content to support the sustainability of the market for the event it serves, inspiring our suppliers and exhibitors and other stakeholders to deliver a sustainable event. What we do is we constantly communicate with not only our visitors, but our exhibitors especially because they are the ones that have their stand. We work with the suppliers. We also uh, guarantee that the venue is powered pretty much by renewable source. And that's the Dubai World Trade Center, which is powered extensively by renewable resources. And uh, we run an event that is increasingly environmentally responsible. We have 12 points that we need to achieve before an event can actually go ahead. And as each of our events, make sure that we go through its rigorous process. We have an in-house team set up to make sure that these points are not only achieved, but we are added every year two or three points. Mid-East Energy is at 90% of delivering all of those and 10% will come on site. So we are doing what we can. It's probably not enough, but we definitely on the right path. And it's definitely an area that we look at very closely from every single area and especially from group level as well. Great. And maybe for those of us who might need a bit more of breakdown about ESG and what that means or ESG impact, 
ESG is pretty much environmental, social, and corporate governance. And it's largely a framework designed to be embedded into an organization's strategy that considers the needs and ways in which to generate value for all organizational stakeholders. And as we head on to next week, I believe that all is set, everybody is ready, and the only thing people need to do is register and get these e-visas to the United Arab Emirates, specifically to Dubai, to attend the Middle East Energy Conference. I would like for us to close up now, I guess, what we call like a parting shot. What would you like to advise our East African stakeholders in the energy sector, energy industry, and the investments they need to make and what attending conferences such as these would help them gain in terms of knowledge sharing and just picking lessons to come back home and implement in the respective countries. I'll start with you, Ade. I think when we die, we stop learning. So I think it's important that whilst we're still here, learning forms a very key, very critical part to our daily contributions. And I know that there's a lot of stuff that goes into a lot of new technologies that are coming out on a daily basis. And it's important for stakeholders uh, in the energy sector, not only in the energy sector, in whatever field that you find yourself, to remain updated on the trends that, and where the industry is going and where the industry is leading. You need to be where the industry players are to understand the directions and what technologies that are out there, the latest technologies, in order for us to imbibe these best practices back into our systems in Africa. And you can't go for all events, but you can pick the best ones that can help you achieve him that you have. And that's where Middle East Energy comes in for a lot of African stakeholders because it's a one-stop shop for anybody who is in the energy sector to play. Mason? Yeah, I think I did taking all the good points. But if I was to summarize, attend, learn, network, and then need. And those are the words, I guess, that we need to go with and go back with examples and practical tips on how to create change, how to be that person that changes things in their environment. That person who changes things in the environment. Thank you all so much for taking part in this conversation. We can bring this to a close. And I guess we've all learned something. I've learned something at least about getting to see where the trends are at and where the market intelligence reports might be pointing to in regard to investments in renewable energy solutions and guiding the region through this energy transition. Thank you all so much for making time to participate in the Mongo spaces and of course to Ade, Yesufo and also Mason Ratansi for making time to explain to us and break down some of the renewable energy solutions that are available and that we need to know about by attending the Middle East Energy Conference. We really do appreciate that and uh, we look forward to Meeting in Dubai next week for those who are going to be registering for this particular conference. And let's keep the conversation going. I believe that there's so much opportunity in renewable energy, not just for Africa, but also the entire Middle East and the greater globe, because there has been a lot of conversation about shifting focus to cleaner energy in sustainable development, as well as playing that role in ensuring that the SDGs are achieved by the year 2030. So everybody has a role to play. It's not just the governments, but also the companies that operate within the renewable energy spaces and generally all stakeholders. And thank you also to Mongo Spaces 
for making this happen. If you would like to listen to this particular conversation at a later date, it's still going to be here on the Mwango Capital handle. And so you can be able to play it back in case you missed out on the very first part of the conversation. You can check the previous posts, but also it will be available on podcast in about two weeks from today. And you can be able to listen to it. In the meantime, you can head over to their newsletter and you'll be able to get all the latest about what's happening in the business world and follow them on Twitter as well as Telegram. And you can also log on to the Middle East-Energy.com website and find out more about how you can take part and make a contribution to the Middle East Energy Conference. Thank you for listening in and good evening.